Good day and welcome to the fellow cast. This is another episode of Ask the Pastors and today I have Pastor Garth van Niekerk with me ready to answer quite a loaded question. So this question that he will be answering is based on two questions that we've received and we've kind of lumped them together. So let me read them to you and then we'll give you the, the answer. So first question, how does the rapture work and what happens afterwards? And the second part is, one new understanding is that Christ will come to earth and this will be a new earth and unbelievers will be taken away with the rapture. Please could we have the scriptures which explains this. So just with regards to to these questions um, and the concept of the rapture and the second coming of Christ and the new heavens and earth, um, Pastor Garth van Ikerk. Thank you very much, Valdu. Yoff, and um, I have with many topics. I don't know if there's anyone that gets so much attention or gets so much blood cooking that um, than when we speak about the second coming of Christ and the rapture and those kind of things. So before I get to the questions, I just want to put it out there that um, we all have emotional responses to these things because all of us are waiting for Jesus Christ to come. And unfortunately, there's a lot of fear that comes when we speak about things like the rapture and the second coming of Christ. Even when people turn to the book of um, Revelations, a lot of people have um, emotions in them that stir up and they actually don't want to read it. Or when they read it, they feel fearful and they often speak about it as the book with the dragon and the serpent and all of those kind of things and the beast. Um, It's unfortunate because... The book has been given in a time of real hardship when Christians were really greatly persecuted. It was a book of comfort. It was a book that says, hey, I've got this. I'm coming. I'm going to come and sort everything out, even if it doesn't look like it. So um, I really want to encourage you, if you have conversations like this or even listen to our conversations today about the second coming of Christ and the rapture, um, really keep your heart at peace. At the end of the day, as Rob often says, um, it's all going to pan out in the end. So have that pan view uh, when you look at uh, the second coming of Christ. Um, well, let's turn to it then. So the, the one question there assumes that there will be a rapture. Um, you'll hear from my speaking that I, I don't particularly believe there will be a rapture. Um, if it's your view, consider what I'm saying today. And if you keep that view, that's perfectly fine. It really is perfectly fine. It's a, the, the rapture is a view that says um, we'll be taken away from the earth and then God will deal with the ungodly. And then God will destroy the heavens and the earth, the stars and all those things. And he will make a new heaven and a new earth. And we will populate that. Um, and it's a view that's made popular by Left Behind, the, the movie, the books. Um, so it really is, it's a rife view at the moment. Don't assume that it's everybody's view. Uh, also don't assume that it's always been the view of the church. It's actually a very young view. Um, on the second coming of Christ. Um, it hasn't been around for a long time. So the key scripture when you speak about the rapture is 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 15 um, to 17. Um, I'm going to give all the scriptures as we're going to read it today. I'm, we're actually going to do a lot of reading if that's all right, Valdu. <laughs> um, so let me read it for you. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds 
to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Out of all of Scripture, uh, this is the one passage that really does sound like, all right, the Lord's going to take us up into the sky. And um, the assumption is then he will deal with the ungodly on the earth. But let's read it in context with the rest of the verses around this. Um, the one being Luke chapter 17. Um, that's also Jesus um, is speaking about the end times and it's also recorded in Matthew chapter 24. So from verse 20, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. In other words, um, Jesus came and preached, the kingdom of heaven has come. He's saying, hey, don't go look for it somewhere else. We're not on our way to the kingdom of heaven. We are in the kingdom of heaven. It's where God is, in our midst. And already there you have to ask, do we need to be raptured up to the kingdom of heaven? It doesn't sound like it. And then he said to the disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So we'll see it in Matthew chapter 24 as well. He says there's going to be false Christs. He says... Come on, come follow me here or follow me there. He says, don't do that. It's going to be so obvious when Jesus comes that nobody will miss it. Um, and it's interesting. We'll see not those who are dead uh, or up in heaven already or those on the earth. Nobody will miss us. It's going to be such an event. Just as in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came. And destroyed them all. So that's the first sort of parable he gives us, like the days of Noah. So just something that I see in it is, like in the days of Noah, the unrighteous was removed, the righteous repopulated the earth, Noah and his family. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Again, the unrighteous was removed. The righteous was left behind. Now, I have to say this. It's, it's my interpretation of it. But an obvious aspect of those parables, every one of them is saying it's sudden. People are waiting and waiting and waiting and suddenly it's happening. That's the emphasis of what Jesus is saying. So my interpretation is sort of, I think, a secondary thing in there. Then verse 30. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is in the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. That's where they're series name comes from left behind two women will be grinding grain together one will be taken and the other left so with a movie and the book and everything in the mind the immediate thought over there is see 
the unrighteous will be left. <laughs> but then the question, verse 37, turns the whole picture around. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. So we who are taken, where are we going to be taken? <laughs> you know? I don't want to be taken there. I don't want to be taken to the dead body where the vultures will be gathering. Um, so I, I think it's the other way around that he's saying, listen, I'm going to come and remove the unrighteous from this earth. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven has come and it's populated the earth. So there's going to come a time where I will no longer have grace with the unrighteous, those who don't want to believe in Jesus Christ. So I will come and I will remove them from the earth. Where, Lord? Well, where the dead body is, there the vultures will gather. All right. In other words, they'll be taken to hell. It doesn't sound like a pleasant place. It sounds like a place of death, which means the righteous will be left behind. So let's write a book and a movie like that. Well, do. <laughs> Well, we have to go to Matthew chapter 24. And sorry, I, I warned you, it's a long reply. But it's such a big topic and I don't want to um, do it injustice. Because over there, the very same verse that now is the clincher that we saw in, in, in Luke um, is in a different context. So let's start with, with verse 26 in Matthew 24. And please go and read the rest of the chapter because the entire chapter is an answer to this question of the end times. But just more to, to the point where we are now, verse 26. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the wilderness, that's now the Messiah, right? Uh, do not go out, or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So that sounds very much the same as in Luke, but then suddenly this verse that we just saw in chapter, verse 37 in Luke, is in here. Wherever there's a carcass, there the vultures will gather. So what's it doing in there? He's saying, listen, don't go if they tell you the Messiah is out there, is out there, is out there. Don't go there. Um, because it will be undeniable when I come. You will know when I come. And then wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. It sounds like he's saying, there were the false messiahs are, the carcasses the dead ones, because I'm the life, the giver of life, there the vultures will gather. So let the vultures go out to those false messiahs. That's what I'm reading over there. It's in a different context. And then verse 29, immediately after the distress of those days, it's going to be tough, right? The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Now we see this in Revelations chapter 6 as well. Maybe you want to read that for us, well, just to get a different voice on the air here. Sure, so Revelation chapter 6 from verse 12, right? Yeah. So, I watched as the Lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. The sky was rolled up like a scroll. And all of the mountains and islands were moved from their places. Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and, e and every slave and free person, all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne, from, who the, from the wrath of the Lamb. 
for the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to survive. Oh, thanks. So just over there, um, in chapter 6 of Revelations, a bit earlier, verse 9, there's saints in heaven and they're saying, Lord, how long are we going to have to wait? When is this going to come? When will the day come when you will fix all these things and you will get what you paid for? Um, but on the other hand, there's still saints on the earth as well at that time. Um, so just to say that by the time that these things come, there will be Christians on the earth, those who know Jesus Christ. And they're not taken up. Not all of them are up in heaven and saying, when are you sorting this out? Um, and then the skies was rolled up like a scroll and the stars fell from heaven. We know um, there's a different part of Revelation. It speaks of wormwood. There's a big star that's going to hit the earth and all of those kind of things. Um, so the skies rolled up like a scroll and the mountains and the islands moved because of the great earthquake. But the earth is still there. The earth is not taken away. And it's interesting um, if you think the story at the beginning in Genesis started with an earth covered with water. And then God says, day one, let there be light. It sounds like it's going to go back there. God's rewriting the story, starting with a blank slate of earth and then making the heavens and everything else again. Or at least that's how I read it. Back to Matthew then, verse 36. I'm jumping a bit. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, we saw this in Luke as well, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Again, this picture of the unrighteous is taken away. The righteous are left behind. Remember in Matthew chapter 5, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Um, so we have to have this in anticipation that, man, we're here to stay. And even if I'm going to die and go up to heaven, I'm going to come back. This earth is ours. The kingdom of heaven has come. We're a victorious people. We've taken over. Um, just a little bit further, Valdu. Uh, that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. The woman will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Again, the picture, I think, is swapped around. The unrighteous is taken, the righteous are left. Let's jump to verse 45. Uh, Who then is the faithful and the wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant who the master finds him when the master finds him so when he returns. In other words, doing the job that God has given him. The Lord is coming to earth, checking out, are you doing what I've given you to do? Are you a good steward of the earth, of the people of the earth? Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. Remember the other parables of Jesus, um, of the master going away, trusting them with talents or trusting them with a field. The field always belongs. The possessions always belongs to God. And when he comes back, the same repetition in all of the parables is, he says, good and faithful servant. He hands him back the talents. In other words, if the Lord comes back, he finds me faithful with the earth, faithful with everything entrusted to me. If I looked after the, his things and his people, he's going to say, it's yours. Now, verse 48 there, 
But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on that day when he does not expect him. And at that hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what's the picture again? God comes to the earth. He says, you haven't been faithful. You're not looking after the things I've entrusted to you. You are removed to the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Remember the other parable? These guys enter into the feast with the talents still in their hands. And the other guy, he says, hey, you wicked servant, he throws him out. So, Volu, this is just so important for me that we keep a, a view of seeing, man, we're the victorious ones on this earth. Um, we're not just grinning and bearing it until Jesus comes and take us away and deal with this earth. No, we are the salt and the light of the earth. Uh, we're here to make a difference, not just now, um, but for all of eternity. For all of eternity. I really believe um, we must have a victorious mindset that um, we are here because God has given us the victory and the victory will be seen through on this earth. Um, yeah. I think it answers the question. Can I throw in one last one? Uh, Daniel chapter 2. It's always just a beautiful picture when, when um, God shows Nebuchadnezzar the image of the kingdoms of the earth. And then right at the end it says, that small little rock is cut out of the mountain. And it rolls down the mountain and it hits the foot of the kingdoms of the earth. And it shatters it all to bits. And then the small little rock starts growing and it fills the entire earth. Again, the picture, the anticipation for us is the kingdom of heaven has come to stay um, and to take over. If, if I can maybe read you those verses as a closing. Verse 44 in Daniel chapter 2. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. Thank you very much for that, Pastor Garth van Niekerk. And thank you to you who have been listening and giving us these questions to answer. If you have any more questions that are pressing that you would like to have answers to, please don't hesitate to send an email to valdu at thefellowship.co.za with your question or just fill out a little paper and drop it in the Ask the Pastors box in the foyer. Until next time.